0: and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Kastogrow, and joining me in the studio today is Miss Stephanie Hill. She is a social worker for Hospice of West Tennessee and happens to be the social worker of the year for 2019. Miss Stephanie, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm
0: great. Thanks for coming in today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So November is Hospice and Palliative Care Month, yes. and we're doing a series of podcasts with people who work for hospice, just kind of getting to know them a little bit. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a social worker uh, with hospice, and what made you choose this career path?
1: Well, actually, I think my first thing that made me realize I was going to be a social worker actually was my high school guidance counselor okay she came up to me and she said stephanie you're going to be a social worker one day and i said what is a social worker (laughs) so she went into detail and she told me all about what a social worker does and how much a social worker helps and improves people's lives and i said no i don't think that's me so actually when i first finished school I went into a nursing program because I wanted to pursue the nursing career, Sure, but that wasn't for me. So later on in life, a little bit later on, I decided I'm going to go ahead and pursue being a social worker. So I did that and I went to Union University and I graduated in 2009 with my social work degree and here I am. 12 years later, uh, working as a hospice social worker, where I have been since September of 2011. Here you
0: are, on the radio Here as well. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're lucky to have you. So tell me exactly what the role of a social worker is, and we can kind of discuss these roles more in detail.
1: Okay, great. Well, the social worker is a very important part of the team that does consist of a registered nurse, a certified nursing assistant, a chaplain, under the leadership of the hospice medical Physician, okay, and with that we work under what we call a plan of care, which is like a treatment plan that uh, it's based on the goals of the patient and the family's needs. Within that persona, the social worker pretty much helps families and patients get in of life things in order and Mm -hmm. when I say that I mean such things as power of attorneys living wills pre-funeral planning if there's a need for assistance in the homes and we kind of help with that and that perspective and kind of just go from there
0: okay Uh, so let's start with the benefits what are some of the benefits that a social worker can assist with
1: Okay, so once someone comes into hospice care, your hospice social worker is pretty much a good go-to person for some very practical questions such as state and local community level resources. And that might be helpful during the time, which is one of the biggest benefits I assist with is in-home programs. Mm -hmm. These programs can consist of sitters through local sitter agencies, state program called the Choices Program, which is one of the biggest programs that I work with. Mm-hmm. Some churches even have uh, delivery pickup services for food boxes, okay. plates. There's programs through Southwest and Northwest which has Meals on Wheels and other social service agencies they can help a patient get nutrition needs. There's also handicap placards when someone wants to still is able to get out and leave the home that's not bed bound and wants to get out and enjoy some family time and go places in the car. Mm-hmm. Then a social worker will help the, uh, that patient get um, the discount place card for the vehicle. Oh, okay. There are special discounts for lifeline systems such as life alerts. That's when a patient lives alone and they have the little life alert that goes around the neck. Mm-hmm. If they have a fall, then they can buzz that, and then it goes straight to 911 or to a family member. Gotcha. So that's a variety of things that helps with the uh, medical needs, but also the psychosocial needs.
0: Mm-hmm. So obviously if a family member has to go into hospice care, mm-hmm. uh, there's, of course, going to be some sort of financial side to that whole thing. It is. Uh, so w- how can someone sort out financial resource information during that time?
1: Okay, so what your search worker is, is okay, we're not financial experts, but there are many documents that will be willing to sort through for you. And one of those is long-term care insurance policies. Okay. The long-term care insurance policies will help provide for sitters in the homes and other needs that these These patients and families have actually took out these policies years ago, and they never really thought they probably would need them. But the good thing is, now that they have them, these policies are great in helping with getting resources and paying for the resources in the home. Another public aid uh, application that social worker help with is such as food stamp assistance. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a time when a lot of patients can't work anymore and they're in need of just any kind of assistance. And they do have to rely on government assistance such as food stamps so that social worker is there to help with that. And then uh, human resource documents, such as FMLA. Mm -hmm. You know, families have to work, and when they can't work, they have to have that time off. And so the FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Act, is great in giving families that time to be off work. So the social worker might help to navigate that as well. There are also certain state and local entitlement programs for which some families are entitled to such as low-income housing, that sometimes a social worker may have to move someone from where they're living into a low-income housing Mm -hmm. area.
0: A little while ago, you mentioned power of attorney, uh, advanced directives, and a living will. What part does a social worker play in helping get those documents in order for the patient?
1: Advanced directives are documents prepared in advance of their need to be used mm-hmm. they include group of documents needed in order for you to be assured that your desire for end-of-life decisions around both your health care and your property to be carried out for those who are in charge with your responsibility in many cases family and friends do indeed know what they may want but it's important to reinforce that on paper, such as legal documents Sure. So here's two main documents that you should be prepared with, with or without the help of your hospice social worker.
0: Okay.
1: The first one is your health care power of attorney. The second one is legal will for property. Now, keep in mind that the health care power of attorney, which is known as the POA, Mm -hmm. is a person that you designate to make medical decisions for you in the event that you can't make those decisions for yourself if you can't talk anymore. That person will be your your advocate. Right. The person you sh- you choose should not only be informed of your medical care, but also be capable of making these hard decisions on your behalf, especially when, let's just say, one family is not on the same page as another family. Sure. And so that power of attorney speaks for you when you cannot speak for yourself. So, along with choosing your healthcare power of attorney, some people like to get specific about other important um, things that they want, such as even sometimes people may even put songs that they want played at their bedside while they're actively dying. Mm-hmm. So, you can get very personal with the power of attorney. Your hospice team will also. Be willing to help do a DNR. A DNR is also part of the power of attorney, and a DNR is do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. That's also part of the power of attorney if you do not elect to have a CPR performed. Your hospice social worker is not directly involved in the preparation of a legal uh, property because that's kind of outside of the um, social work scope of practice. okay but that social worker can help you find an attorney. Gotcha to get those those forms completed.
0: Gotcha. okay. So when is it appropriate to start planning a funeral or memorial service?
1: Okay, so I, when I first go in and do my first assessment, this is something that is not always spoke about because this is a very hard subject for families to talk about. Sure. So timing regarding planning a funeral or memorial service is sometimes dictated. It can be based on culture or religion and sometimes just the, uh, what the family is ready for. You should not be surprised if some family members may not agree on this matter or have varying ability to tolerate discussions about end of life issues. It is it's a very hard topic. Of course. Memory within the first week of a mission, a hospice social worker will want to help the family select the funeral home or maybe cremation services. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of fa- a lot of patients and families are choosing the cremation route. It also gives the hospice team information that they need to assist at the most stressful time. Mm-hmm. Your hospice social worker has a full listing of Funeral homes and cremation services. So that's something that I pretty much keep with me at all times. Okay. So if a family decides that they want me to help them choose a funeral home, then that's that's what I'm I do today. And also, the costs of funerals are have really went up. Sure. So that's another reason why most families are cre- uh, choosing the cremation route.
0: So not everyone has a family. So right. what can a social worker do if the family or close friends aren't? physically close or they're far away.
1: Okay, so social workers have to help families get uh, get off work and keep families informed through forms of communication. Mm -hmm. And that is very key because I do have a lot of family members that live in other states, but they want to stay involved. What is going on with their loved one during this time? Sure. So sometimes I have to email, I do communication by phone, Sometimes I even do FMLA and other things, means of communication until they can, can get here to be with their loved one. If I have someone that is deployed, military caseworkers are available 24-7, and that's through the Red Cross.
0: Oh, I didn't so, know that. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So what I do is I have to contact the Red Cross and get a, a claim started and get a reporting to the um, commander-in-chief. And then get that. Uh, once I get that started, then the uh, Red Cross pretty much takes over mm-hmm. and notifies the uh, the family and the individual that that claim has been started, and they will let the ones let the loved ones know when that person will be en route home to be with their loved one. Gotcha. Okay. Social worker would pretty much be happy though to help at any time with anything out of state.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So let's say that uh, there's a, a patient who was just diagnosed with some sort of terminal illness and they have to go into hospice care. Right. Uh, but say their living situation just isn't great, whether the house itself is hard to maneuver because mm-hmm. now they're in a wheelchair or bedridden and the mm-hmm. house has steps uh, or something similar to that. So okay. what if those patients living arrangements just don't work out?
1: especially if you have been living independently, which a lot of my patients have. Mm-hmm. They live independent, and it's hard to get that changed because that's what they're used to. So before admission to hospice, if you live with with someone with their own health issues or physical limitations, changes in your condition may require some additional support. This does not mean that hospice requires a particular household arrangement or that one would be dictated to move out of their home, right? we try to make sure that that person can stay in their home until end of life, but sometimes it's just not always the case. So your hospice social worker, in conversation with the nurse and the other team members, we assist in transition them from various care settings. It have been uh, from living independently, which may come a time when you need to hire a caregiver in the home, mm-hmm. and sometimes that doesn't work out. So, if a caregiver does go in the home, and if they, they can afford it, that's the most important part because mm-hmm. everyone can't afford to hire twenty-four-seven caregivers. Sure. So, if that's not the case, then the social worker has to maybe transition that person to a nursing home or maybe to another family member's home.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So. If someone becomes a caregiver who's a family member of the person who goes into hospice care, Mm -hmm. typically, I could be wrong, but I feel like typically those caregivers, those family members are still going to be in the workforce, Mm -hmm. probably younger, uh, who still have lives going on outside of caring for someone who's in hospice care. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be a difficult time for anyone, no matter who it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So are there times when... I would imagine so, but are there times that those caregivers feel like there's no control or things are going out of control?
1: Yes. So this is the part where I pretty much tell families about self-care. Mm-hmm. Self-care is an important part of maintaining the role of a caregiver. Okay, because if you don't take care of yourself, who's going to take care of that patient? Right. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not eating, if poorly, denying yourself, uh, just a little pleasure, sometimes just an occasional lunch with a friend to get out of the house, then that can compromise you being a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because your hospice team will be there for you routinely, sometimes tension and anxiety, all of that can can compromise you being a caregiver. Sure. So thankfully, it's very rare, but there are times when even hired caregivers or family do not follow the hospice team plan of care. So sometimes a social worker may have to have um, see some neglect and some abuse going on. Mm-hmm. And in that case, a social worker does have to make a report to what we call adult protective services. That does not have to happen often, but it does happen. So that's why it's very important that self-care is taught to the family members, that they give that to themselves because, you know, it's, we're all human and oh, just being human, you know, you can easily take things out of control and mm-hmm. things can go in the wrong direction. Yeah, so.
0: Absolutely. So what part uh, does a social worker help with when it comes to uh, getting therapy or receiving short-term therapy while someone's in hospice?
1: Okay. So you don't need anyone to tell you that experience is extra. This this is an experience that is very stressful. Sure. You may feel flooded with new and unwelcome realities, which you really are. Your hospice social worker is available to stand there and to help you sort through all of this. Your hospice social worker can listen to you, answer your questions, just help you find ways to cope. And coping is very important through such a difficult time. On the really bad days, a hospice social worker will be available to help with steady and reassure you by uh, going through the experiences of providing much-needed perspective, things in life. And these things are changes. Not only are your family going through this, along with your patient, but also your team. You mm-hmm. know, We come in and we see how families go through this stressful time. So we try to find ways to help them cope and struggle with the complicated issues. Sure social worker can also teach you about these strategies. Some of them could be just from deep breathing to meditation to just going on a walk. So both your social worker and the hospice grief counselor, which you will hear from when our bereavement coordinator does hers, they're available to support you through this time of transition. And if you find yourself stuck, just call on us because that's what we're here for. We're here to support the families.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So what discomfort does a social worker monitor?
1: So with this comfort, when I say that the social worker is, uh, is is trained and certified in hospice and palliative care work, while our expertise should in no way consider to substitute what a nurse does, but when I go out and do my uh, my visit, I am also the eyes for my nurse. Mm-hmm. So when the nurse is not there, we have families. And sometimes the patients may say, "I'm having trouble sleeping or eating or." memory loss so with that case then I'm going to report back to my nurse what that family and or that patient has told me and if anything new is occurring then I'm also going to help monitor that for my nurse so that my nurse can also know because we are a team we work as a team and even though that's not my scope of practice I'm still there to help my my nurse when she's not there in the home
0: yeah Absolutely, so as a patient declines, uh, do you have family members ask how they're going to manage uh, during such a difficult time?
1: While every patient and their support system is unique, there are a number of patterns that we see when the hospice is elected with the end of life, uh in spite of the sadness and all of the things that's going through in the life of a loved one, the family, caregivers. They all feel some type of uh, relief, you know, at the end, when all of this is coming to an end, relief that is suffering and winding down, relief that the burdens of caregiving are time limit and relief that they're soon all of this will be over because the suffering. Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, families say, I'm just tired of seeing my loved one suffer. and this sure. is, And this is perfectly normal. Your hospice social worker and the entire team is available to support everyone affected by this experience. Just keep in mind that just as you may be short on sleep, not have enough time for yourself, or just dealing with the untold stress and the grief, those closest to you are struggling as well. Everyone just needs a little extra, just a little extra compassion, a little extra care, just a freedom from the process of the grief grief and the loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, The social worker can help work out adjustment issues that you're facing as an individual, as a group of family, and as when the friends come in. It's also important to be honest about what's happening so that when we all work together, then there's no shock. It's important to let the, the team and the social worker know exactly what you're experiencing and going through because you have to remember that this is a time to also create special memories and it's a blessing to just to be there for your family during such a difficult time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's been your most rewarding experience as a hospice social worker?
1: I think just seeing families uh, have the comfort and the less stress on them, just taking the burden off of them. Hearing people tell me, I could not have got through this without you, mm-hmm. I think is all that matters. And that, that helps me know that, I am making a change in the lives in such a difficult time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Being a hospice social worker, that comes with being around death a lot. It does. And I I am not medical. I'm not clinical. I don't have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how I would deal with being in that situation Mm -hmm. a lot. So I guess my question to you is how do you keep yourself in check, meaning how do you like separate the separate, separate from being right in that position. Because I feel in like I would just life. be right. I would just be sad all the time. You right. know, So I guess my question is like: Is there a way? Is there a, like a a method that you use to mm-hmm. just be able to separate work and life? I guess. It
1: is, and that's one thing I had to learn early. I've like I say, I've been doing this now almost twelve years, and it will uh, take a toll on you if you don't learn how to separate. Uh, from being part of a hospice team and Mm -hmm. then your home life, because that will worry on you even uh, at nights. It's been times when I have laid in the bed and worried about, is that patient okay? Are they getting the care that they should be? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I could be doing right now? So learning to separate that, uh, it can be hard, but... As time goes on, I think I've learned that being there for them when I am there, knowing that you can only do so much in one day. Sure. And that uh, the next day will come. So do what you can do for that day. And you have to just worry about tomorrow when it comes. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great, Miss Stephanie. Thanks so much for, for coming in today. Uh, i Really had no idea what a hospice social worker did. So thanks for enlightening me, uh-huh. uh, enlightening, our, enlightening our audience. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to get to talk with you a little bit and uh, hear your story. So thanks for, for coming in today.
1: Thank you for having me, Will.
0: Absolutely. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health.